Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice Podcast. My name is Richard Brown, and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, here we are again, and um, what I thought I'd do is share with you some of the reading uh, that I was doing over the last 12 months or so. Um, towards the end of the year, and obviously the crossover into the new year, it's, it's always good, I think, to, to take stock of uh, what you've actually consumed, what material you have consumed over the last year. And maybe you know start to think about if there's any books you'd like to read again, or if there's any gaps, or uh, you know particularly leanings in any direction you need to put right. So I thought I'd, uh, I took the exercise, uh, took the time rather to to jot down an exercise of the books that I read. In fact, not just the books that I read, but the books that I acquired or purchased uh, during the course of last year. And I'm making that distinction for a particular reason. And the reason being that essentially, uh, whilst I, I read 33 books during the course of the year. Uh, some of you may think that's a lot. Some of you may think it's not such such a lot. I actually had another 19 books in various format, which I had bought or had given to me in some way uh, and, and just hadn't yet got round to reading. So had I read everything, of course, that would have been 52 books or one a week. Um, I, I didn't set a specific goal. Well, maybe that's something to take into consideration. I think the, the year, I think it was a couple of years ago now, I did set a specific reading goal. I, I think I read 48 books in a year, so four weeks off for holiday, but uh, 48 books in a year, which uh, for me is pretty good going. Uh, so 33 in a year, but it could have been 52 if I read everything. Uh, so that was one distinction, really. There's a number of books I did consume versus the ones I actually didn't. Even more surprisingly, perhaps, was the uh, format of the books that I was consuming. So I had a quick look. A couple of these books I have actually since gone on to buy a paperback if I consumed it as an audio book. But by far the uh, greatest number of books that I consumed or actually read during the year were audio books. So there was 19 or well over half, nearly 60% of the books that I, I read last year were in an audio book format. And that for me is it's just an easy form, format to consume. Uh, next was physical books, which is a bit of a surprise. It, you know, 10 of those or 30% were physical books. And then bringing up the rear was Kindle books at uh, four books or 12%. I was a bit surprised. So obviously Kindle doesn't seem to be a format that works uh, particularly well for me. And in fact, a paperback works better than a Kindle. So that's maybe something to reflect on, especially when I look at the number of books that uh, and the type of format of the books I haven't quite read uh, yet. So 19 books, as I mentioned, four of which are audiobook. And I think, to be honest, most of those four were I bought during a, a sale period with the audio um, uh, Audible, rather, had on towards the end of the year. So I was stockpiling, perhaps taking advantage of a sale uh, because I do tend to consume audiobooks and then just look for the next one. So I wondered why I had sort of four in stock. And in fact, I think I read mm, at least two of those already this month, if not uh, into the third one. So um, 10 of those books that I haven't read were Kindle. Mm -hmm. So I think understanding the format that suits you best uh, is something, isn't it? And five uh, are physical books. Um, so yeah, still to read. So you know, I, I used to have a rule of having all three different formats on the go at the same time. So an audio book, obviously, 
uh, a Kindle and a paperback. So depending on where I was, what I was doing, I could always be reading things. And of course, it would mean I was flitting between three different uh, topics. But that actually worked when I read 48 books a year. So there's a bit of a theme going on here, isn't there? Anyway, so that's just some of the headlines. What I thought I'd do in this particular exercise. So I've listed all of the books. So you can go to the show notes and you can see all 52 books that are listed. So the ones I actually bought, ones I actually read versus the ones I still to read. Be interesting to see if I do actually read all of those 19 during the course of, uh, of this year. But what I thought I'd do is just maybe focus in a little bit on the, uh, the top 10 uh, books that I actually read. Obviously, you can't comment about the ones I haven't yet read, although there's one or two in there I'm really looking forward to read, I have to say. Um, but uh, in, the, in, the, in the top 10, of course, out of the 33 I actually read, I'm just going to run through them very, very quickly. Um, I kind of tried to rank them. Um, it's a loose ranking. It's not a strict ranking. So don't get too hung up in this. Um, uh, so some of, the, some of the ones at the bottom could be interchangeable. Some of the ones at the top possibly could be too. Um, what I noticed, actually, in trying to compile the list of the top 10 and even the top 5 or 3, was um, I tended to choose the books that had the greatest impression upon me. So I was reading somewhere recently that people, people who don't read books because they feel that you know 90% of the books are worth, not worth reading, um, I can see where that line of thought uh, comes from. Uh, maybe if you can just pick the 10% and you don't have to waste your time with the uh, remaining 90%, but how do you know which? And how do you know which in particular is going to work for you? So, yeah, you know, obviously trying to refine your choices and be sensible in the books that you're reading is a good idea. Don't just receive, uh, read anything. Um, but, you know, it's interesting that my top 10 all had some kind of impact on me in some way, whether it's professional or personal. So anyway, just getting into the top 10 then. So um, at number 10, we've got option B, which uh, I listened to in audiobook format, and that was written by uh, Cheryl Sandberg with the help of Adam Grant. Um, I think it's mainly Cheryl, um, and Adam certainly you know, uh, contributed quite significantly on the psych psychology, but it's kind of her story. So Cheryl sadly um, lost her husband um, and you know this is a topic, you know, grief, if you like, and dealing with grief, it's not really spoken about. Um, I lost my father a couple of years ago and um, you know people deal with grief in different ways and Cheryl decided to write about it and uh, it's a really it's a beautiful book actually and so I've recommended it to a few other people recently um, who are perhaps facing grief in some way and, it, and they found it to be very very helpful so yes it's not a topic that's really spoken about um, and that's one of the problems actually but um, Cheryl does a really good job of talking about uh, some of the issues there, perhaps how to talk to people who are suffering with grief, how to deal with it yourself. So, um, yes, unfortunately, I, had that, uh, I didn't have the pleasure of reading the book or the benefit, rather, of reading the book before, you know, at the time of my father's passing. But it was very useful to be able to you know, read it and make some sense of it later on. And it certainly helped me to be able to talk to other people who are perhaps in a similar situation. So there we go. Option B, Cheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant, number 10. Number nine, um, actually number eight and nine, you could interchange, to be honest, because I read these specifically for professional purposes. Uh, so number nine, I've got Commercial to Residential Conversions, which was written by Mark Stokes, uh, again in an audiobook format. And um, Mark, has a very, Mark Stokes has a very professional approach to his business model. So when you read this particular book, there's lots of good stuff about how to undertake commercial to residential com conversions, but I would say it's leaning towards being uh, a larger sort of scale or medium-sized uh, developer. Uh, so you can still take a lot away if you're an individual solo uh, developer, but I think you know a lot of the 
philosophy that he has seems to be on sort of corporate governance and having a team and uh, and having procedures in an office and, and those sorts of things. So I think it's more, um, you know, at the sort of larger scale of things. But similarly, I also read Commercial Property Conversions in paperback format, which was written by Mark Homer in Glendelf. And um, that, that seems to be more or aimed at uh, sort of a smaller scale developer, if you like. So once you're moving up that sort of property uh, food chain from, uh, you know, uh, buy to let into flips into into uh, development types of project um, it, it's it's I think more useful there so that's why it gets a, a little bit of a higher ranking um, both of the books have got lots of real nuggets um, you know deal calculators sample costings uh, those sorts of things that are in both books you, there's a lot you can take away and, and you can apply rules of thumb if you like and some experience I think the, the Mark and Glenn book, it, it does read almost like a book of two halves that they've put together because Glenn tells his story, Mark tells his story. It's great to get that perspective, but it does sort of make the flow a little bit, you know, to and fro, I suppose. But if you take that to one side and if you're reading for professional purposes and you want to learn about the topic, actually you'll get both of these books. Uh, it'd be well worth your while, I, should, I would suggest. Uh, number seven, I've got, um, in fact, this is really interesting because from a few, a few uh, excuse me, pure property point of view. Those two books I've just mentioned are the only ones to make the list, outright property. Now that was interesting, I just noted, if you like, um, the type of book that I certainly favoured and got the most out of, in the most part, were not specifically property books. And when I thought about that, um, I've read a lot of property books, I've been reading now consistently for quite some time, so I've covered a lot of ground and I really wanted to broaden my horizons. So I think it's kind of reflected in my reading list uh, if you're an early stage uh, in, in this industry, perhaps you do want to focus in a lot more on property books specifically. Um, but, you know, it's good to broaden your horizons. And I'll come back to that point, actually, because it's made quite well uh, with uh, one or two of the other books I'm going to talk about later. But as I mentioned, number seven, we've got Principles, uh, Life and Work, which I had in audio audiobook format, and that's by Ray Dalio. Now, this was a book that was recommended to me by uh, a member of my um, TPV community who came through the Apprentice program. And he said, I think you'll like this book. And indeed, I did. It's very long. And uh, initially, I was wondering where it was all going to. But essentially, um, Ray, Ray Dalio is a billionaire, first of all. Um, it's a quasi-biography uh, in, in many respects and talks about uh, his, uh, his history and his, uh, his company, if you like. Um, but he also talks about how he sort of learned um, to master his thoughts and to live his life by adhering to some principles, that, hence the title of the book. And so um, it's a really good book. And in fact, I've since gone on to buy, there's a principles sort of short form version or illustrated version, which I've, I've given as a gift to my nephews because I think they would really benefit from that. So that tells you about the impact perhaps it's made on me and maybe what it could make on other people around me. Um, I say it's quite long. He talks about life principles and work principles. And my big takeaway there was uh, something that I was doing in the past was having a lot of investment criteria you could translate as principles to make judgments by um, and then just adapting those for the particular market I'm in. I'm obviously more into conversions and development these days than I was into investments and refurbishments and flips and HMOs in the past. So it's to adapt those principles to suit the purpose, but to still have uh, principles. And the idea being, if you have principles which you can stick to, it will avoid you falling into the trap of making emotional decisions. Again, a point I'll come back to a bit later on, perhaps.
So that's number seven. Uh, number six is uh, Give and Take, which I read in paperback before, uh, format, which actually is the second time I've read this particular book. Uh, and that's by Adam Grant. So I listened to it as an audio book, first of all. And I think I'd re I listened to it the year before, but I got the paperback this year um, as a reference point, And that's something I wanted to do more of. I haven't quite done that too much, but a couple of books, um, Unscripted was another one. I didn't read it last year, but I decided I, in fact, I did, I did listen to the book, sorry. I listened to it unscripted and I decided I wanted to get the paperback version, so I've ordered that. Didn't make my top 10 list, even though I actually found it a really interesting book, because um, it was very stimulating, uh, a bit contrarian, there's another theme, but there we go. So um, yeah, in terms of the give and take book, that had a radical effect really on um, my, giving, my giving activities personally. Uh, the book describes three types of people, fundamentally givers, takers, and matchers. Uh, but I guess give and take is a better title than givers, matchers, and takers. So um, I, I very much identify with the giver. Uh, but givers, interestingly, can overgive too. So um, I really welcome this book because it helped me to set some clear boundaries. Uh, and that actually was quite radical and, and changed the way I do a number of things. So it's worthwhile to get into my top 10, uh, which brings me into the top five. So at number five, we've got um, Mindset, which I listened to again in audiobook format. And that's been written by Dr. Carol Dweck. And you can see a TED talk from uh, Dr. Carol Dweck. And she talks about she talks about growth mindset. She coined the phrase actually, growth mindset. She talks about the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset and how we can actually change. And in fact, we have different mindsets at different uh, points in time. Uh, the idea being with a growth mindset, you can teach yourself to be smarter. You can put more effort in to be smarter. So you don't, you're not fixed with an IQ. You're not set for life. And, uh, and indeed, those who are perhaps naturally smart can come a cropper by falling into the fixed mindset trap. So it's really interesting and fascinating. And in fact, I, it, made a, it got a reference in my most recent uh, article for YPM magazine. By the way, if you want a copy of that, just write in and ask for it. Uh, happy to share that with you. I've obviously been talking, uh, thinking a lot about uh, challenge and personal development and uh, holistic sort of goals and things like that. So the idea of a growth mindset really came into it. Perhaps as a bit of a sidebar to that point, um, I've been deliberately trying to set myself big challenges or relic for me what I think are big challenges in my life over the last five, six years or so. Um, you know, so I've done things like skydive. I had a fear of heights, so I decided to skydive, which kind of seems counterintuitive, but I decided to want to crack it in a big way. Uh, not my head, the uh, the fear. And so I threw myself out of an airplane. I built a house with my bare hands along with some other people. I've um, you know done, done other things basically to challenge. I did stand-up comedy. I'm just thinking about what I'm going to do this year. I'm about to change it. Um, initially, I said 10K after having an operation, run a 10K after um, having an operation. But um, I think I might actually do something a little bit more creative. I'm thinking of writing a song. There you go. I'll put it out there. Let me know if you think that's crazy. Probably is, but never mind. It's a challenge. And that's the whole point of growth mindset. So I'll leave it there. Uh, number four, book I read right at the beginning of the year. It was given to me. It's called Charlie Munger, The Complete Investor, which was a, uh, it was actually a hardback, but it was a hard copy. And that's by Tren Griffin. Now, uh, I did kind of allude earlier to having this sort of broad outlook um, and perspective. And Charlie Munger actually has this uh, about him. Charlie Munger is, is an investor. He's Warren Buffett's business partner or investment partner. 
but he's very well read. Um, he ha he's, he's interested in lots of disciplines. And there's a school of thought at the moment, Michael Simmons, for example, has been talking about people like Elon Musk and people like um, uh, Charlie Munger as what he calls uh, expert generalists. And so they're expert in different fields, but they're, you know, or, uh, but they're, they're generalists, uh, sorry, they're expert in a particular field, but they're generalists and they're just well, well read. And indeed, they're able to apply the, the thoughts and the learnings they have from different disciplines into their businesses. So this is essentially what Charlie Munger does. And he himself, by the way, has principles that he uses in his life and his investment. So link back to Ray Dalio and principles there, of course. So I thought that was fascinating. Really good read. Um, if you're interested in investing and, in, and successful investors, I suggest you get a copy of that book. That comes in at number four. Uh, and number three, um, this is another recommendation from somebody, somebody in the TPV apprentice community who, who just said, read this book. And it's called Can't Hurt Me. Um, it's audio book by David Goggins. I have to admit, I probably wouldn't have chosen to have read this book without this recommendation. So it just shows about the power of recommendation and referral. So um, can't hurt me, um, David Goggins, amazing man. You know, um, you know, he's sort of uh, military trained. Famously ran, you know, for miles with two broken legs. He's defied uh, physical limits. Uh, on multiple occasions, he's now a you know an endurance runner, or he has been an endurance runner, and he overcame great adversity to get to that place. Um, you know, from a very disadvantaged background with prejudice, and um, he just defeat defeated the odds. And I have to tell you, I was amazed to read the book and the story and get from it what I got from it. Um, deserves a place in my top three books from last year. Uh, he's very colourful in his language, so prepare yourself for that. And the style of the audiobook as well is really good because it's kind of, a, they make the point that it's a cross between an audiobook and a podcast, uh, an interview, if you like, uh, between the narrator of the book and, and David himself. Um, it's, it's very interesting format. So if you're into audiobooks and you want something a little bit different, I'd go for that one. I might steal the idea myself at some point. So number number three, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Um, number two is The Black Swan, uh, an audiobook, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Um, really, uh, an, an, another, you know, Skin in the Game was the first book I read by the same author during the year. In fact, I want to read more by this author. I love his style. Um, so um, confrontational of, of the uh, status quo. Let's just put it that way. He's, a, he's an independent thinker. He's a contrarian. Uh, he's a deep thinker. And he really does make you think. Um, the concept of the black swan is that a black swan event is something that's rare and hardly ever happens. But as he points out, the black swans happen much more regularly than people make out. It's just not necessarily entirely predictable as to what will be the trigger for the black swan event. So if you think about crashes in markets and things like that, uh, basically, it's all predictable, and uh, the author, you know, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, uh, goes a long way to explaining how that's the case. And so, you know, the, the real takeaway for me with uh, with that with this particular book is that expect the unexpected. In in short, so but a fantastic read. I'd recommend anything probably from this same author, and I plan to read more of the same for myself. That gets uh, into number two, but number one, I have to say, if you if you only read one book during this year read this one. And this is what I've also said to my community. And it's what I learned losing a million dollars. Listen to it as an audiobook. It's, it's a Jim Paul story. It was written by Brendan Moynihan. They both get name-checked as authors. 
and it's a, it's, it's a couple of decades old now. Uh, don't let that put you off. There's some references to the 80s and the 90s. Don't let that put you off. What I learned losing a million dollars, here's the pretext. There's, there's probably a hundred ways, if not more, of making money, uh, achieving wealth, being successful. And everyone has got their formula. Everyone has got their ingredients. But there's, there's no consistency. Not only is there no consistency, there's outright co- contradiction. Uh, you know, what one person says was successful for them won't work for the other person. That can be outright contradictory. So it's very confusing, in other words. But if you read this book, and certainly for, as an investor or a trader, essentially failure or, or losses boils down to three things. It's a lot easier to remember and focus in on three things than he's trying to absorb all this information from you know, different people's you know, secret recipes for success and formulas and blueprints and what I did and all the survivor bias you know, that, that skews results. You can just focus in on, on three things. Um, and I'm just going to try and remember them off the top of my head now and maybe not embarrass myself. But first thing is, is to not take, uh, not take failure or losses you know, personally. Um, not to make, not not deal with decisions emotionally, and not to follow the crowd. They're the they're the big three, really. There's a lot more takeaways. I found myself taking detailed notes, which I hardly ever do with any kind of book. It made a real impression on me, as you can probably tell. It gets a deserved mention at number one on uh, of all the books I read last year. So if you only read one, I suggest you read that one. But you know the other books definitely are worth reading. <laughs> Hopefully you read more than one. So some of the other ones, if you haven't read already, are worth checking out. Maybe there's one or two in there you might not have heard about. Certainly on the extended list, I've even got Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Uh, my own book. Yes, I read my own book. Again, because I uh, wanted to stay up to date. Grain Brain, because I'm interested in health and well-being. Uh, books on SAS pensions. Uh, the Inner Game of Tennis, which is another mindset book. Um, emotional Agility. You can see where I'm going there. So I won't name check them all. I really wanted to do that today. Um, so I've kind of mentioned my challenge. Maybe, um, maybe you can give me some ideas there. Um, I was thinking of racing a tall ship. Um, I am going to run a 10k, but I don't really see that as a challenge anymore, having already run 5k in January. And uh, I'm thinking of writing a song. Um, my wife and I were talking, we were just driving the other day, and apparently there's uh, three routes to immortality, uh, which is a Buddhist uh, perspective. Uh, one is to, is to father a child, or let's say parent a child, to be more politically correct. And uh, parent a child is one of them. Um, write a book is another one and uh, plant a tree is the third one and believe it or not I've done two out of three but not the third one and yet the third one is one of the easier ones really it's plant a tree so I'm definitely going to do that I'm going to plant a tree if not more than one tree during the course of this year so definitely going to do that but I don't really consider that a challenge so I'm just looking to see what my challenge is going to be it's probably going to be sailing a tall ship's race or it's going to be write a song I think both will be challenging in different ways. Uh, what are your views? What do you think I should do? Have you got any other alternatives that you think I should do instead? And uh, don't say go on a podcast, uh, you know, training course to improve my podcasting skills. Um, I know I probably need to do that anyway. But there we go. Um, I just wanted to give you that share. Hopefully, it's insightful, beneficial, at least gives you some resources. Uh, quite a lot of them, in fact, uh, 52 in the show notes. You're going to find references to all the books that I bought last year, many of which I read and obviously focusing on the highlights. So if you want to know anything about any of those books, you can always drop me a line as indeed uh, anything to do with this episode or property investing more generally. Of course, I'm not talking 
exclusively about property investing in this particular episode. But you can find me, Richard, uh, sorry, not, not Richard, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net. I'll be more than happy to hear from you. The show notes are going to be over the website, thepropertyvoice.net. But I guess aside from that, all that's left to be said is thank you very much uh, once again for listening this week on the Property Voice podcast. And until next time, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.